0: Very warm welcome. And this week I am joined by the very lovely Michelle. Michelle, if you could just introduce yourself and tell us all a little bit about who you are and what you do, that would be great.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. As she said, my name is Michelle. I am a mom of two and I am a certified mental wellness coach and a postpartum educator. So after having kids, I realized the lack of education around the postpartum sphere, um, what is happening, why it's happening, and just the loneliness that it causes for moms. Because you think that what you're going through is only happening to you when it's actually very normal, just nobody talks about it. And that's kind of what led me down the road to becoming a mental wellness coach. And I specialize in helping moms get through that overwhelm and that feeling of being lost, not knowing what they're doing anymore and teaching them that it is okay to take care of yourself. You don't have to continue to put yourself last. Brilliant. Brilliant.
0: That's absolutely wonderful. And I think, um, Something that the listeners are definitely going to be able to relate to um if you are happy to I would love if you could share with us kind of your experiences of becoming a first-time mum and what that was like for you
1: absolutely so my first was my daughter um she well she'll be five next month so going into that experience I really didn't have any like mom friends that were ahead of me, you know, in this motherhood journey. So I just knew what I'd seen in movies or on social media. And I was like, Oh, this, this isn't too bad. I mean, I know you're, you're going to have some sleepless nights, but it'll be fine. And it was so much harder than I ever imagined and so much lonelier and more isolating than I ever realized. I thought, oh, I'm gonna have my built-in best friend. I didn't realize that it was going to make things so much harder to even get out of the house and go do things. And you know, you are at the mercy of the baby's needs. And you can't just go, oh hey, let's go do this. Like baby needs to nap, baby needs to be fed. And I struggled with it. And I struggled with her sleep. Um I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what wake windows were. I thought, oh, if you keep her up longer during the day, she'll sleep at night. Well, that's not the case, obviously. And so then I had an overtired baby at night. She'd scream for hours and I would just sit there going, I don't know what's going on. And it was so just isolating and overwhelming. And it wasn't until I reached out to a friend that we were kind of in a similar season and we just got to talking and she was like, no, Michelle, this is very normal. Like what you're feeling is, is normal of motherhood. And she introduced me to wake windows. <laughs> so we got on track with that. And, you know, she started sleeping and I was like, okay, well that we got one, one problem down, but I realized how much I had no idea what was going on postpartum. And, you know, with my body, you're just told like, oh, in a couple of months, your hair is going to fall out. Well, why? why is my hair going to fall out? Or, you know, why are my, why are my joints still feel loose? Why do you see what you see in the media? You think you just bounce back. That's not the case. Most likely you go home from the hospital, still looking pregnant. And I don't feel like there's enough people that tell you that, (laughs) you know, you, it's not, you give birth this baby and your stomach's back to normal like that's not how it works it certainly isn't <laughs> God. and
0: it, it's so true because obviously you're over in the US and I'm in the UK and when we spoke before I spoke to you about kind of our aftercare that we have when we come home from the hospital and we have something called a health visitor and they visit us um kind of at a lot of times like two days after the baby's born and then a week and then a month and then, and then you don't really then see them unless you reach out to them Um and I mean our healthcare system is very different to yours and I love the NHS they are great but I remember my health to coming I think at like when um, my little boy was like a month old and I was like I can't put him down, I physically can't put him down without him screaming, and her just going, oh, and I said, like, waiting for her to give me, like, some pearls of wisdom, and she was like, oh, you know, he'll grow out of it, and I was like, oh, okay, like, when? Uh, And she was like, oh, you know, don't know, and I was like, what, when he's, like, 15? Like, how long am I having, like, you're not giving me a light at the end of the tunnel? um and then i had very much the same kind of feelings as you as being isolated and lost and looking for answers and then not being anywhere um mm-hmm. especially turning to our professionals that are supposed to know this stuff and kind of give us the the information and support and it not being there and then just feeling really let down um so i can absolutely understand your feelings as well. I mean, I don't know what it's like for over in the U S what kind of kind of aftercare do you guys get?
1: So our aftercare for mom is there is a normally one postpartum visit with your OBGYN at six weeks postpartum. If you've had a C-section, you may get two because they want to check your incision a little bit earlier. Um, but that's it. Baby gets a lot of visits with the pediatrician. You know, you get one, I think a few days after the hospital, like two weeks, one month, two months, four months, six months, all the, but as far as mom, it's normally about one visit and then that's it. And even from there, I remember going, okay, if like, who do I call now? Like, if I need something, do I call my OBGYN? Do I call my primary doctor? Who, who's taking care of me at this point? Cause there was never like, There's not really a a clear, a clear handoff. And a lot of primary care doctors here in the U S there's nothing wrong with them. They just aren't super um, versed in postpartum and what is happening and all the hormonal changes, because like what's going on with a postpartum woman is not the same as what's going on with a woman who did not just have a baby. You know, there's so many more layers of it and, there's really not one person that specializes in that.
0: Which is crazy because women have been having babies forever. Very long time.
1: time. Um, And
0: it's not stopping
1: anytime soon.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's, yeah, you're like kind of stuck in a limbo between carers that, like you say, aren't um, specialized in postpartum mums and especially um, mental health because I feel like that can so easily be um, overlooked, not picked up, not accounted for um, and I feel like it really should be packaged together with the health of the baby because the health of the baby relies on the health of the mother and her physical well-being and her mental well-being in order to take care of the baby so I feel like it's a package deal but actually they're very much separated
1: 100% Um, I know after my second uh, I actually ended up with postpartum depression and I felt like my pediatrician checked on me more than any other doctor because she saw me the most and she had already seen me through one kid you know had seen me through her through my first. And I remember one visit, she she had looked at the baby, done all that. And then she sat down and looked me in the eyes and said, Michelle, how are you? And I almost started crying because I was like, oh my, nobody had sat there and asked me specifically, how are you doing? And I realized, whoa, that's when I kind of started. I'm like, "Um, not good (laughs) and when i told my ob about my concerns it was kind of like well you're still you're you know you're still six weeks and you're released starting exercise so get back into your routines and I, i think you'll be okay and i had to call them back and say i'm not okay and i need help because What I'm going through, I don't think it's normal. And I don't think it's, I don't think I'm okay. But I had to go back and ask for that help more than just being given to me. And that's hard to do.
0: I'd like to say that takes so much courage to physically even pick up the phone and say those words out loud. That is a massive thing that I think a lot of mothers... Um, feel like, I feel like once you've had a baby, I feel like, and I don't know what it is, it's really strange, but I feel like all the other mothers kind of think it's like a rite of passage for you to have a tough time. So if you're kind of sat there going, oh, I'm tired. Oh, my baby's not sleeping. Oh, my baby's not feeding very well. Oh, they're really cranky. Um, oh, I'm finding it hard to keep up with the laundry or just take a shower. I feel like lots of other mums go, well, you're a mother now, so what do you expect? This is kind of, this is the deal. And I think that, for me, forms a big part of people not feeling like they can, number one, say it out loud. Because especially if you've had a really rough journey in your kind of conception of a baby as well, there are lots of people that go through trauma and a really really hard time to even have a baby in the first place and I feel like they're made to feel like well you've got a baby now so you need to be grateful and you just need to suck it up and you just need to get on with it um whereas I'm like that's not that's not the deal why are we not kind of supporting each other and saying out loud oh my gosh I feel like that too I feel exactly the same and I'm struggling to, I feel like that would make other people feel more confident and empowered to reach out for help. Like I said, for you to pick up the phone and say, actually, I'm not OK, I need some help. That ju- That takes real guts, real guts, because I feel like there's a fear of judgment. If I'm asking for help, that means I'm not a good mother because I don't know exactly what to do. So, yeah there's
1: there's such a stigma around it that yeah if you're having to ask for help if you have if you struggle with your mental health postpartum that it means you're a bad mom that's because you're a bad mom it's not it is a chemical imbalance a hormonal imbalance inside of you something is wrong inside of you it has nothing to do with your abilities to be a mom your desire to be a mom nothing that doesn't have any effect on it 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 and I just, there's such a stigma and it's so near and dear to me because I see so many moms that do, they don't get the help they need because they're so scared of the judgment.
0: Yeah. It needs,
1: yeah. Yeah, it needs to, and what's the worst part is so much of it is from other moms.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: Well, pretty, or, you know, like I had it worse. Or, you know, you're, you don't have it as bad as me. No, there doesn't need to be this comparison game. Everybody is going, is walking their own path. Yeah. And my heart might look different than your heart, but it doesn't make my heart any less than.
0: Definitely. That's, oh, that's so true. That And that's that line, I think, is the one that needs to be really, really pushed out there as well. Um, Because I always feel like there's an element of like competition because especially around like my kind of circle of mums, if you have had a C-section versus um, a vaginal birth, and I don't like to use the term normal birth because for me, there's no birth that's normal. Um, It's just a different way that the baby's delivered. If you've had a C-section, you're viewed as kind of having it easier. Um, which is bizarre because you're having major surgery. Um, If you don't have pain relief, you're viewed as being kind of tougher or something like that. And it's just so strange how those narratives go around. I'm like, where did that come from? And why do people think like that? It's bizarre,
1: isn't it? I've never understood how having a C-section is the easy way out. You had major abdominal surgery, how is that easier? <laughs> and I had two vaginal births. I don't have any experience with a C-section and the thought of a C-section scares me. Like, yeah. I think that that would be so much harder than yeah. a vaginal birth. So I don't, I don't know where that stigma has come from, who made that up? <laughs> Cause it makes no sense. No, he
0: doesn't. And it's not as if like you get like an extra gold star or something if you've had a vaginal delivery with no pain relief. Like there's no trophies that are handed out. Your trophy is the baby that's alive. That's your number one, that's your end goal for birth. So Mm -hmm. however it happens, it doesn't matter. As long as you're okay and your baby's okay, surely that's the most important thing. Absolutely. Um Michelle, tell us about your second, because your your second happened at a very um, pivotal time in our history.
1: Yes, very pivotal time. That's a great way to put it. So my second was born in April of 2020. So we are very much, um, I'm not sure what it was like there, but here we were very much in lockdown. Um, you know, I was... Attending my appointments there at the end alone, which really wasn't that big of a deal. It was those weekly appointments where we're just seeing how I am. But going into birth, I did not know if my husband was going to even be allowed in the room. Because, you know, the visitor policies were changing so much so often. I had no idea what the policy with masking while laboring was going to be. It was just you show up and you see what they tell you that day. And so that there was a lot of a lot of anxiety and stress going into that and looking back I'm like well that definitely played into all of my mental health um because I definitely didn't have that much stress and anxiety going into my first. And even you know I know here in the US I had trouble finding diapers at times. And so whenever I found new born diapers, I'd buy a box. I'm like, I don't know. And people were using, because we had the shortage of toilet paper. I don't know if you guys went through that. Oh, yes, we did. I still don't understand how a viral illness equals the shortness of shortage of toilet paper. But that's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> but because of the shortage of toilet paper, a lot of people were buying baby wipes. And I was like... What about the people who have babies and need baby wipes, you know, so just getting supplies. And then, you know, um, he was born, he was born fast. He came way faster than my first. So I think there was a lot of surprise with that. Um, and then he ended up going to the NICU for a few days, everything was okay, but he just, he needed a little extra help. And so there was a lot of trauma around my birth that I didn't realize I had because, I had it in my head that birth trauma was physical when that's not necessarily true. Physically, his birth was easy. It was the emotional part and the mental part that was traumatic. And the fact that, you know, we could not have visitors at the hospital. So my daughter couldn't come at all. My husband, they didn't want him coming and going. And we had, you know, another child at home. And we don't live near family. So he went home and he couldn't come back. And then with my do- my son being in the NICU, I was pretty much just sitting in my hospital room all day alone. And the NICU's policy at the time was only one parent could be in there at a time. So if my husband came up to the hospital, it was either he had to visit me or my son, you know, we couldn't go in together, which was crazy. And You know, so when we finally did get home, there was just not a lot of support because, which was kind of our choice. We didn't want to bring a bunch of people in because we didn't know what the world was like. Yes. And um, my mom actually ended up, she had wanted to come up. We weren't sure if it was safe. I talked to my pediatrician and my pediatrician had said, if she drives, then it should be okay. Flying is there's so many variables you're in such a close space with people, not good, but driving, she can control so much more. I think that would be okay. So my sweet mother got in the car and drove 16 hours straight to come help us. And so that was a huge, huge relief. Um, She came for about two weeks, but I think even she knew that even at that point, I wasn't it wasn't okay. She'd seen me after my first and seen where I was and seen me after my second. Cause I believe, I don't know for sure. I wasn't involved in these conversations, but I believe she had some conversations with my husband, you know, is she okay? Um, so yeah, there was just a lot of unknown variables and just so much stress and trauma that I didn't, that was unresolved. And I think that led to a lot of my, my mental health. And I ended up with postpartum depression. Like I said, I had to push for help. I did end up getting that help. Um, I, you know, went on medication I got into therapy and therapy was huge because it helped me realize that I did have that birth trauma and that there were things that I needed to work through that without talking to someone else, I don't think I ever would have. Yeah. And then they would have just been unresolved and lingering. Yeah. And even as, you know, I, I got better and I continued therapy. There were a lot of things that I would tell my therapist. I'm like, well, I can't do that. And she's like, well, why? I'm like, cause I, I can't, I can't do that. That would, I would be, I would be a bad mom doing that. And she's like, why? Like, why, what would, how would that make you a bad mom? And then you sit there and you think about it and you're like, because I'm telling myself it would. It was only me. It was only me in my head. And there, it was funny. There were things that I would even bring up to my husband. And he's like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. You should do that. When in my head, I was thinking, I could never do that. Like, because that would, I wouldn't be a good mom doing that. And he's like, no, I think you should. And it showed me it's all in my head. It's all the stories that I'm telling myself. Yeah. We're so hard on ourselves as moms.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's such a, um, it's so unexpected. Like I feel like before I became pregnant and had my son, my vision of how I would be as a mother and and my vision of like my maternity leave compared to reality are world's, worlds apart and like you say when you're just basing things off like the movies and television and when there's not kind of real life um examples or people's stories out there you kind of have no choice but just to base it on the movies and television and perhaps what you might read in a magazine um social media I mean How, I mean, I feel like I'm the age where I'm kind of at a really good balance because most of my life was without social media and a lot of my um kind of pregnancy was without social media. But I'm thinking about the mums that are kind of either pregnant now or in the last kind of two to three years who are heavily involved in social media and what they see, celebrities they see as parents. I feel like their expectations are like, oh, it's just going to be like that. Whereas behind the scenes of celebrities, there's probably a couple of nannies. There's probably um, a night nurse that's kind of taking care of the baby. So the celebrity private chef that's making,
1: that's making other meals. They probably have a housekeeper that's doing all of their laundry. Yeah. Yeah. You have to remember all the help behind the scenes that they have that you don't have. You're doing all of that by yourself.
0: Yes and it's just it, it's unhealthy for because i feel like the the expectations aren't managed for um parents and also um the impact on mental health when they realize my life doesn't look like that um and it's not going to unless they have a cleaner a chef nannies nurses and all of that going on for them but for the majority of us who don't have that that being able to like sit and realize that isn't that's not what my a parenting journey looks like and be able to kind of process that and cope with that as well and accept that because it's hard it's hard when you have a a vision and then it doesn't play out and you're like oh my gosh this is I felt like it slapped me in the face mm-hmm. I was like why didn't people tell me it, it was it was this hard was it like they were waiting for it to be like a nasty surprise for me or or
1: or is it not that hard for for anyone else? Yes, absolutely. Um, And then I get the other end of the spectrum too, where I try and talk about those things, you know, how that it is hard and what actually happens. And I've had people tell me that I'm scaring people into not having kids. (laughs) And I'm like, that's that's not my goal. It's not what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to show what really happens and what it's really like because I was so blindsided yeah I don't want other moms to be blindsided
0: no no so tell us Michelle exactly kind of your work what you do how you kind of work with people what exactly it kind of is that that you offer
1: yeah so I am a certified mental wellness coach and I specialize in helping postpartum moms because that is my that's my jam. That is the, the group that I just love to help having been through it, through it. And we have, I do a 12 week program with one-on-one coaching and we go through things like stress and how to manage it mindset, how to, you know, change your mindset into a positive mindset and why I go into a lot of the science of, you know, of the stress, what the stress does to your body, what having a positive mindset does to you. Um, We go over movement and how important movement is. We talk about nutrition specifically for postpartum. So we're not going into like weight loss, but just getting those nutrients back in your body because you lose a ton having a baby, especially, you know, birthing that placenta, you lose a lot of nutrients. And our grandparents used to be able to just get those nutrients by eating food. But our food, especially here in America, is not as nutrient dense as it used to be. So you need, you may need some extra support and you may just need to focus on what you're eating. I know a lot of times as moms, we grab what is the easiest to to eat. And that may not be the most nutritious. You know, that might not be the best option. I know as women, most of us don't get enough protein. So we talk about that and just being able to eat in a way that can make you function your best. And We talk about sleep and how to improve your sleep quality, because I know that quantity is something that is most likely out of your control. So being able to improve that sleep quality for that sleep you can get makes a huge difference. And we all know from being sleep deprived that when, when you sleep better, it can change your entire day. And just really helping moms take the time to focus on themselves and teaching them that it is not selfish. It actually is best for the entire family because when you're happy and when you are in that spot that you are thriving in motherhood not just surviving through it it's better for your kids it's better for your marriage and it's you know it's best for everybody
0: absolutely absolutely and you you know obviously sleep is the one that's screaming at me because I always say to my families that sleep is like your foundation of of everything um and when we think about sleep it's not just about sleep it's about the ripple effect that it has on yourself because that impacts on your nutrition nutritional choices it Mm. impacts on your mental health it impacts on your relationships um, and it impacts your on your um especially your relationship with your your baby as well um, and I remember thinking this is not how my maternity leave was going to look like and I'm not enjoying my maternity leave and the amount of regret I have around that is massive and some families I work with they're like why didn't I do this sooner because I feel like I've wasted nine months of my maternity leave not being able to enjoy my baby or have the energy to enjoy my baby um, so that that all sounds brilliant because it's the saying, isn't it? Put your own um mask on first, your own oxygen mask on first. Because when you are fully able to function and thrive, that obviously just then goes to your child, to your whole family, um as as a package, as an overall package. So that sounds that sounds amazing. Um and then lastly, Michelle, where can people find you?
1: Yes. So I am most active on Facebook. So you can find me at Michelle Solger. Um, And I also have a Facebook group for moms. That is just a really great community where moms can go and ask those hard questions that you may not feel comfortable asking to to people. Um, It's a really supportive group. I'm really loving the community that we're building and I also do share um, you know, mental wellness p- tips and postpartum education in that group.
0: Yeah, I'm part of that group and I, I think it's fantastic. Um, so I will pop the link um, below in the comments as well so people can just easily click onto it. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Michelle. Um, I would love it if you would come back and maybe do um, uh, a session on kind of sharing some tips that you're, that you shared within your group to kind of share to, to wider people what do you think
1: awesome sounds great count me in Brilliant.
0: wonderful okay so for now thank you so much for joining me and I will see you soon thank you so much for having me